Tuesday evening. Welcome to a live edition of Sideline Junkies Tuesday Night Flight. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Soon to be joined by the boss BJ. Uh, hopefully the man of the hour, Delante, but I know for a fact we will get the man that's twice as nice and ain't never had a bad a day in his damn life, Junie, in here. And there's the boss BJ right there. What's going on, man? What's up with you? I hear you. Ain't nothing, man. It's been three years in the making since we did a live. I'm talking actually a live show. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, you know. Hey, I don't know how to act on the live. Show, <laughs> Neither know? do I. I mean, we're gonna have some fun tonight. We gotta we got some topics to talk about. We got some things to go over. Tuesday night flight live edition. Have we ever done a Tuesday night flight live? No. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Um I mean, we're talking about when we first start podcasting on the Zcast. And Zcast, we, the crazy thing we're just talking about three years ago was innovative. Um, they had the lobby where we could come in and do the mic checks. Everybody could mute their mics. It was just uh, connectivity issues. Um, yeah, most yeah. definitely. It was, uh, that was an iPhone app. And if it was across both brands, I think we would have been okay. But being an iPhone app, you already know, you know, you listen to this show enough, you know how I feel about iPhones. I mean, don't hey, look, it's live now, so you know, <laughs> say your piece. I mean, yeah, I think I think, you know, if it definitely had that and I don't know why they didn't come out and support the Android app, the Android market. That was kind of silly because you guys had to log in on the browser, right? Mm-hmm. And it it uh uh, it was just slow and choppy. Yeah, slow and choppy, unlistenable. Um, but we had fun, man. That was our that was our kick into podcasting. You know, we were having a blast doing it. It was frustrating at times, but you know, we've moved on. And like I said, now we hear Pod Dean, and you know, this is giving us an opportunity to go live and you know do Tuesday Night Flight live. Let's get this shit going, man. Absolutely. Um, while we wait on the other gentleman to show up to the studio, uh, first off, we're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk <sighs> Cam Newton and the Patriots beat the Jets last night, 30 to 27. Barely. Um, that's your division foe. I, I, I'm not sure if you watched all of the game, but what you've seen, what you've heard, do you think this Patriots team is done? Let me tell you something. You couldn't have paid me to watch that dumpster fire last night. Okay? One is two teams I hate. The Patriots and the Jets. They could, somebody could drop a bomb in, in the middle of them playing and eliminate both of them. I could care less. Okay? You're talking to a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan here. But let me be fair to the Patriots. So let me be fair to Cam Newton. No, Nikhil Harry. And no Julian Edelman, right? Right. Okay, so you're missing two starters. 
two main starters on your offense. So I don't understand why this thing, whole thing is floating around about how should Camden sign with the Patriots. He didn't have a damn choice. Um, 2015 MVP and Carolina cuts him, and all of a sudden, nobody in the league needs a quarterback. Like, how in the fuck is that possible when there are 20 teams that need quarterbacks? Um, if you're listening live, I always preach that if your quarterback, if you're not, if you don't have five or six quarterbacks in this league, you don't have a chance to five or six particular quarterbacks. You don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl. So if you're not in that realm, if you're not Green Bay, if you're not Kansas City, if you're not Seattle, um, who am I missing, KG? New Orleans? Tampa yeah, New Orleans. Bay. And I say Tampa Bay. Yeah, they got the brains beat out of them Monday night, but Tom Brady's still Tom Brady. Um, they still have to jail. They added another piece in, in Antonio Brown. They're going to have to find their way. So, you know, you don't have these quarterbacks. Just think of the other teams that are outside the bubble looking in. And Josh Allen, I'm not going to put him on that list just yet, but he has proven himself to be, you know, a top-tier quarterback, but he has to continue to prove himself. We're, we're going into week 10. He still has work to do. So I say that because 2015 MVP, he did take the Panthers to a Super Bowl. He had a questionable game, not going for the fumble, this, that, and the other. People thought he could have played harder, blah, 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 right? So Cam Newton gets cut, and it's like, how many teams need a quarterback? Washington needed a quarterback. Um, the Jets need a quarterback. I don't care if they got Sam Darnold or not. Um, he's not looking like anything. The Giants could have used a quarterback. Um, uh, I mean, you, you name a team. You name a team. Um, I'm trying to get to a schedule now so I could just see another team. Um, but I can tell you a team right off the top of my head. And Denver. This, yeah, exactly. That's where I was getting ready to go because uh, – Speaking of Denver, our resident Denver Broncos fan, the man of the hour, Delonte, has joined us. What's good? What's Hitting good? Somewhere. What's good? There you go. I'm good. What's good? What's good? What up? What up? Man, we, uh, just, we just talking about, you know, this whole Cam Newton situation and kind of people getting on top of him about, you know, shitty aside with the Patriots. And, you know, I'm just making a point. He didn't have Julian Edelman or Nikhil Harry last night. And he's basically working with a whole bunch of no names, you know, trying to keep. I mean, he is the offense. I, you just, it, I, I just don't understand the, the the commotion and the fuss. I mean, Julian Edelman comes back. He had a game early in the season where they were they were going back and forth for for Seattle. They end up losing, but they and, and yes, Seattle has the last ranked passing offense in the league. But Cam looks sharp. Um, I'm trying to get back to – I don't remember. I think that was like week – that was early in the season. It was like week week three. Week three? Yeah, week three. Uh, I think New, uh, New England, they were 1-1, one and, one and Seattle was 2-0 oh at the time, Sunday night game. It was week week two. 
Oh, week two, week two. Oh, week week, two. yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. You're All right, right you're so right. on week two, Cam, 30 of 44, 397 in the touchdown. He had Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry on there. Two big targets. We know Edelman isn't going to blow the top off anybody's defense, but underneath, he's damn near unstoppable. If you get on the same page with him, like Tom Brady was, and you know where he's supposed to be, he's a master at finding a hole in the zone. He's a master at the underneath round, just like Cole Beasley up in Buffalo. Well, you can't say up in Buffalo when you're talking about New England. I guess west of Buff- west of New England. So that's a dangerous weapon because you got to worry about underneath and over the top, Nikhil Harry, Bird, all those other guys. Myers has become his favorite target. I think he targeted Myers like 14 times last night. I think he had 12 catches. Yeah, 12, 12 catches, a buck 69. Yeah, so that's become his favorite target. So you add Edelman back to that. You add Nikhil Harry back to that. You're talking about – you know, you still have Bill Belichick on the sideline. Like, KG, all of this is just cra- crazy talk. We know that um, they need something to talk about. It has to be spicy and juicy, you know, topics for, you know, because you know, they're talking about Bill Belichick missing Tom Brady. This side. They both miss each other. You know, Bill Belichick is still probably the best coach in the league. Now, I said – Two weeks ago when they played the Bills, I thought even though the Patriots lost on the Cam Newton fumble, I thought that Bill Belichick outcoached Sean McDermott in that game. The Patriots were not supposed to be in that Buffalo game. Buffalo was supposed to step on their necks and say, this is our division now. You're down. Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, and you don't have the best corner in the league, Stephon Gilmore. We're going to hang 45 on you. We're going to make you, hey, we, we, we for real. And it was a struggle all game. You know why it was a struggle all game? Because Bill Belichick knows that team in and out. And he's a very good coach. He's one of the best when it comes to working with what he has. He does that better than anybody. Now, this is just one of those seasons where he doesn't have a lot. Like, Cam could get hot and this team could still make a run. It's a whole different Dolphins team now that two are starting. So kill the Cam Newton washed up, should he have signed with the Patriots when he's missing two of his biggest weapons. And did, did Stephon Gilmore play last night? Is he still no. hurt? He's still out. Yeah, so, I mean, come on, man. The best corner in the league, nobody even throws over there when he's on the field. So you talking about taking one half of the field away. Nobody really even tests Steph. Nobody tests the Gilly Lock over there. I hate the Patriots. So <laughs> take it for what it is, man. Like, come on. You missing all these. That's just like saying, um, you know, you expect the Lakers to win and, and LeBron James hurt. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen. You, you still got It's still a team sport. They got Cam. Bill Belichick knows what he's doing, which is still, even though my team is sitting at 7-2, anything can happen. And being a lifelong Bills fan, the Bills not winning an AFC East title for the last 25 years, I need to see the letter beside the Bills' name in the standing saying they, they clinched the division before I believe it. Like, that's going to – I'll seal it in there. 
because I've seen too many things happen. You start, they start fast, end up dying off in the end of the season. I've watched the last four weeks of football where the Buffalo Bills have been absolutely horrible on offense and defense. So, sorry about the AFC East rant. I know that's supposed to be about Cam Newton. I'll let you guys, you know, give your thoughts about Cam. I'm going to say this because we got the man of the hour once again, our resident Denver Broncos fan. But Yo, no. I want you to say Delonte. You know, because you, you being close to the situation, I'll, I'll say, with uh, the Patriots, and how does the missus feel about Cam Newton? How do you feel about Cam Newton? Uh, all right, so all I've been hearing, you know, from the, the number one Patriots fan that I know is, it, oh, it's COVID. Oh, it's COVID. You know, that's that's it's affecting their, their play. You know, if it wasn't for COVID, they'll be in line for, uh, you know, for another Super Bowl this season. Ah, uh, okay. You know, I, I just be like, all right, pat you in the back and cool. You know, but uh, last night, Cam, Cam needed that game. He want you could tell he wanted that game. He needed it. He got it. Um, but I'm I'm gonna say this, and I'm, I got to give props because I dogged them last year. Uh, oh, I think I don't know if I'm done dogging them, but Joe Flacco looked, dare I say, elite for the good part of that game. He was throwing lasers out there last night lasers out there and you know it, it was kind of like 2012 joe i mean he was throwing bombs and them joints that, that was like right on the money so but cam you can i think he had that determination you know what i'm saying like he that hunger he wanted that game he and like i said he needed that game he so he went out and got that game um i think looking at the rest of the season you have to play with that same intensity if they want to do something. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of season left. A lot of teams that are like in that middle of the road, middle of the pack. So all is, not, all is definitely not lost for New England. Um, they're not winning the division this year. You know, I've, I've already crowned Buffalo as the AFC East champ. Um, but, you know, they can definitely grab a wild card. They just got to, you know what I'm saying, they just, they just got to want it. That's it. They just gotta want it. I mean, that's the 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 basis of a lot of teams, especially in the AFC East. You gotta want it because I think as of right now, it's a three team race. But I think Buffalo has the upper hand. Um, last night, Cam was twenty seven to thirty five, two seventy four. Um, he had ten carries for sixteen yards and two rushing touchdowns. Like we said earlier, he hit Myers twelve times, one sixty nine. Um. Damian Harris rushed for four, 14 times for 71 yards. But like you said, Flacco, 18 and 25, 262 and three touchdowns and a late pick. Now, if you would have told me that Flacco was going to throw three touchdowns and one pick and they still weren't going to win, I'd have told you you're lying. Uh, the ageless wonder, Frank Gore, 12 carries, 46 yards. Brashad Perriman, who cannot catch, had five catches for 101 yards, two touchdowns. Oh man! And this this brings into question 
because, you know, we're local. We're here in the DMV area. So I, I see a lot of chat and a lot of, you know, rooms we're in, you know, sideline junkies about the Washington football team. And I saw somebody saying that they need to go out and get Sam Darn. And I had to look at the screen. And I say, I'm thinking of myself, the same Sam Darnold in, in, in the Meadowlands? Like, like, are you serious? Like, like, I could go play quarterback if that's the case. So, Sam Darnold, look, I don't want to get another show started about a whole different other topic. But... Sam Darnold has a long leash he shouldn't have. And Daniel Jones is in that category too, just like Josh Rose. It's time to get go to Lowe's, get the 40-gallon 40, 40 contracted double-thick bags, and it's time to throw out the fucking trash. Because that's what those three quarterbacks are. Rosen's already proven it. Sam Darnold is trash, and Daniel Jones is trash. It's time to take the garbage out. And this is going to be nasty. This is nasty garbage that when you're taking it out, it's leaking all over the floor. It stink. And as you, you got to pick it up, throw it in a trash can, you get you get a little trash juice in your mouth. That's this trash. <laughs> and just like that, my man Junie has stepped into the studio. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Listen to the crowd. Hey, look, I got to disagree with you, BJ. Daniel Jones is doing better than people expected. And I got to give Daniel Jones his credit, man. He went out and did his thing against the Washington team. And Daniel Jones is playing, I'm going to say, up to par. That's all I can give him. But I wouldn't put him in the trash. Only reason why Daniel Jones looked like a world beater Sunday, he only looks like a world beater when he's playing Washington. If he's playing any other team, he looks pedestrian. He doesn't even look like a game manager. He looks horrible. <laughs> he was bad at Duke. He's bad in the pros. And I'm hoping Marcus is listening because we go back and forth. And he always says Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is trash. You know, you know what I feel about Daniel Jones? That's what I feel about Daniel Jones. What 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 pick was Daniel Jones? The fifth pick, I believe, sixth. All right, he was sixth. the first so, quarterback taken. All right, so here's the thing: first quarterback taken, sixth pick. If we're talking about a third round quarterback, great. Third or fourth round quarterback, you know, the, the regular starter got injured for the Giants, and you had to put Daniel Jones in, and this is what you're getting. Hey, okay, great. You know, the, it's third, fourth round pick, fifth round pick. Talking about the number six round, number six overall pick in the draft, and like, no, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, um, but like I said, you know, if you're a lighter skin color in the NFL, you get a longer rope because we can name, we can go down the list and name quarterbacks of a darker skin pigment that they were just waiting for them to throw an interception in the game to pull them out. So it's just like, why are, why is Adam Gay still coaching? Hmm. Hmm, why, is Sam, 
why is Sam Donald still starting? Like Joe well, Flacco, Joe Flacco's an old man. They come in there to just offense is moving now. Sam Donald's in there, and it's like watching an old lady crossing guard. Daniel Jones, pedestrian. We're talking about the number six overall pick. You can't be pedestrian, the number six overall pick, because I can show you the last pick in the first round that's turned it up in Baltimore. He might not be the best quarterback, but he's a playmaker. So take that, because Daniel Jones is a quote-unquote quarterback, right? Lamar's not the best quarterback. He's a playmaker, though. I, I got I can't disagree with you. And one thing about Lamar here, and when I say here, I mean here on this show, he is one of our favorite quarterbacks. We were rolling with him before the draft, during the draft, and even after the draft, we're rolling with him. So um fellas, we're gonna move on to a little college basketball, little throwback. Um Delonte, excellent topic you brung up. And two of the greatest players to ever don a Merlin Turpin's basketball uniform, uh, Steve Francis and Juan Dixon. Uh, Steve Francis, one year at um, at Maryland, uh, Juan Dixon, four years, and left the all-time leading scorer, uh, first player in college basketball history, to have what two thousand points, um, two hundred uh, threes. Uh, let me get it all right. Hold on. Let me get it all right. The only thing you need to get this right is Steve Francis. The only thing you need to get. I right mean, Juan Dixon was an absolute monster at Maryland. Let's just put it that way. No, um, no, no. Hold, hold, hold. Can you hear me? Yeah, he. Okay. The only thing you need to get right about Juan Dixon, two thousand two national champion, two thousand two <laughs> AC play AC, uh, ACC player of the year. Those are the only two things you need to get right. Okay. Well, it's a <laughs> it's a lot more to Juan Dixon than that. No, 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 no. That's that's all we need to know. Two thousand two <laughs> NCA national champion, Maryland Turpins. That's all you need to know. Okay. <laughs> then we got Stevie Franchise, uh, the number two pick in the '99 draft. Uh, was originally drafted by the Memphis Grizzlies, forced his way out of Memphis. Vancouver. But I'm sorry, Vancouver. Look at that. I actually got the team right, but I it was wrong. Um, but he didn't want to play in Vancouver because it was too far away from home. And, you know, he thought about taxes and all that. But now when he was at Merlin, when he signed with Merlin from transfer in '98 for his junior year. He pushed the Terps up to number five in the preseason ranking. Now, I say around that time, you know, there's no Joe Smith. He was gone. Um, Walt Williams was gone. So Maryland basketball wasn't as exciting as it was in the as it started to become in the early nineties. But when franchise got there, it seemed like they had a different swagger. Can y'all agree with that? Yeah. I- oh, definitely. Definitely, definitely agree with that. Okay. Um, of course, 
he was supposed to stay. He he he, he was ninety nine percent sure he would return to Maryland for his senior year. Um, he left <laughs> and went into the draft. Uh, what happened, in your opinion, fellas? And I'll start with uh, you, Delonte, since this is your topic. Um, what happened in the NBA that you think that his career wasn't as long as it should have been? I I think for him, uh, there was behavioral issues. Um, There's a lot of like off the court incidents, you know, that, that kind of uh, served as like a, a detriment to uh, his his career. Um, not sure if you guys heard, there was an incident with, uh, I guess he was a little too handsy with Steven Jackson in a club and Steven Jackson had to kind of choke him. You know, he, it was no attempt to like hurt him, but it was like a choke, like, dude, you're doing a lot. Leave me alone. And a lot of people saw it. Um, I can even go back to draft night, uh, the pouting, the throwing his hands up and, you know, the, the, the pouting cause he was drafted by Vancouver. Um, I, I, I want to say that 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 could have served as the catalyst for real for like like up uh, you know he this dude he's drafting he's already a, a, a headache you know what I'm saying you're walking up on stage the draft was in D.C. that year you know what I'm saying because he, he had the crowd hype you know what I'm saying they call his name second pick he throwing his hands up and he just pouting uh, interview TNT he pouting he was like man you know I'm just happy man you know what i'm saying be happy because you get to get your grandmother and you know the rest of your family out of tacoma maryland you know what i'm saying or oh tacoma park sorry about that you get to you know put them in a better situation so i think yeah for him it was just behavior issues um he had the skill set to beat a man you know what i'm saying but he was just i don't know he's just just knucklehead elements he just couldn't let it go man you know what i'm saying um, I think when he got traded from Houston, that's when, like, he hit that hill quick, quick, because, you know, he was, I blinked, he was in New York, I blinked again, he was in Orlando, and then, you know what I'm saying, I, I rubbed my eyes, and he was out the league. You know what I, I'm saying? I, I, I agree with everything Delonte just said, and attitude, 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 and like Delonte said, draft night, when Vancouver called his name, you saw the look on his face. The nation saw the look on his face. Um, attitude goes into work ethic. You know, every level you get to, every, each time you go to the next level, you got to put in more work. Boy, he wasn't putting in no work. There's only a few people that can just ball off a God-given talent and not not practice not you know work or anything. Alan Iverson is one of those people. He he might he might be number one like D one. Yeah yeah yeah. And, and and like I said, he might be maybe Kobe, maybe Mike MJ, but it, it ain't. You, you, we not talking about no fifty player list. Alan Iverson is number one on that list. Like he could just come out and ball. So attitude, that big ass head of his, you know. And this is, you know, we're talking about what draft was that? Two thousand? What draft Not was that? That was ninety nine. Elton Brown was the number 99. one pick. So you're talking about before social media. So God knows what 
social media not being back then saving a lot of players because everything hits the wire now. You you fart, and social media knows it's on Twitter. So that might have saved CV franchise franchise a lot of headache too. Not having social media, the the word not getting out super quick. Teams having to find out. I mean, look, the teams know. The teams do their homework. They're hoping that we've seen the NBA and the NFL take on problem childs, and they're hoping, like, here, we're going to get them here, turn around. We got some veterans here, you know. But sometimes the problem is just too big. Um, I, 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 For lack of a better person to compare, Dennis Rodman had become a quote-unquote problem child. Got with Mike and Scotty. They they didn't contain him all the way, but when Dennis wanted to play ball, Dennis played ball. He knew what was at stake. And Mike and Scotty kind of kept him in check, field two. So I don't think Steve ever landed some somewhere where somebody could get in his ear and talk to him and, and make him realize, one, the skill set he had, and two, you know, just how to conduct himself. He was he just he was just a knucklehead, you know. One of them, one of them dudes that you that you can see the ceiling real high, and they you, they can't see it for themselves, you know. So, unfortunately, you know, for Stevie, that's what that's what the issue was. I, I can agree with that. Uh, it, it just it's one of those things when you get too big for your britches. And you don't, as you say, work hard enough. Um, but on the other hand, we got Juan Dixon. Now, Juan Dixon, as you say, 2002 national champion, ACC athlete of the year, ACC men's basketball player of the year, all-time leading scorer for the University of Maryland past my men, my man, Frosty, a.k.a. Len Bias, for uh, all-time uh, points leader. But it didn't translate very well to the NBA. He only averaged uh, 8.4 points a game, 0.8 steals, 1.8 assists, and 1.9 rebounds. He played with the great one, uh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, here with the Wizards. Um, But he never could find his niche in the NBA like uh, Steve Blake did. Steve Blake found his niche and had a long NBA career, but Juan Dixon could not. Uh, Now, my personal feelings why Juan Dixon didn't have a long career as we thought he would, he was a tweener guard. He was, uh, didn't have the ball handling skills to play the point, and he was too small to play the two. So, you know, when you're that tweener guard, now, now you can get away with it being a tweener guard and if you can't do one or the other, they can make you a combo where you can still score. You can be a Rip Hamilton uh, or a later years, um, Ray Allen, where you're coming off uh, screens a lot and they're running three, four screens on a play to get you the ball. But then they weren't doing that for Juan Dixon, uh, which is, I also thought that was going to be the drawback for JJ Reddick. Because J.J. Reddick, was, he couldn't create his own shot coming out of Duke. Shut my mouth, but look at him now. Uh, 
what you guys think about Juan Dixon, why his career didn't last long? I well, I think with Juan, um, well, for one, his 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 journey to the league was was I guess surprising. Like he was surprised that he was drafted in the first round. I, I want to say I think all of us were. He was a drafted was sixteen, um, and he happened to be there that night at the draft. But he was there to support uh, a, another player. But you know, he there he, he hear his name called, so you know, what I'm saying he was surprised. He uh. He put the work. I mean, he you know early on put the work in, but there are rumblings that um, Jordan kind of like broke his spirit, you know, mainly in practice. Um, you know, it, it just he put the work in, but it just wasn't enough. Um, enough. Sorry about that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he got traded from Washington. Um, I think everyone remember he ended up coming back to Washington uh, later on in his career, but. Um, I think, you know, Mike, man, Mike just kind of just kind of broke him. Um, I know he said uh, I was also reading that, you know, he, he tried to fire back at Mike at practice. But you don't do that. You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't step up to the God and, you know, what I'm saying think you're not going to get dealt with. You're going to get dealt with. So um, one and then not to mention his off the court uh, situation wasn't nothing like knucklehead like. I think it was more, you know, he was a lot of ladies. You know what I'm saying? He got caught up with, he was like, you know, I, I got money. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm living this whole different lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Let me let me get me a, a roster of ladies. And, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that, that kind of caught up with him as well. Um, you know, there was some baby mama drama, things of that nature that he went through. So he... Uh, you know, he had to endure that, but um, I don't. I I I gotta agree uh, with the the twinner part. I think it was didn't have the ball handling skills to be a, a formidable point guard, and he was too small to be a shooting guard. I think the only shooting guard that was his size was uh, Allen Iverson. And let me say, when they there was a game in Washington, uh, might have been either his rookie season. Or his second year, uh, he would talk the little trash to AI. You can go on YouTube and look it up. Uh, Iverson versus Juan Dixon. Iverson served that young man. You know what I'm saying? He let him know. He was like, dude, you may have won your college championship, you know what I'm saying, and had all these college accolades, but this, this is the big boy. This, this is the big leagues. And I got to spank your ass. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happened. So, you know, Juan, I think Juan, he was just, his circumstance was just the, the, the tweener thing kind of caught up with him. Too, you know what I'm saying? Too small to be taken serious as a, a as a two guard and, and the ball handling skills wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Great college player. Probably one of the best college players. I, a lot of us, you know what I'm saying, seen like period. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, he was a freshman when Steve Francis was there at Maryland doing this thing. And, and his game was so good that he was like, damn, like, dude, dude kind of got like, you know what I'm saying, a silky smooth, you know what I'm saying, jump shot, and all, you know what I'm saying, all that. But, hey, man, you know, it's just circumstance, man. You know, it takes you as far as you can. I, I agree with both of you guys, and I'm not going to, you know, say everything you just said. I just want to touch on one thing that both of you brought up, and that's one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. 
he destroyed a lot of people on those teams when he came from the from the front office down to the floor. Um, I think Kwame Brown in the white right hands could have been a way better player. Um, it was multiple instances of people challenging him in practice and stuff, which is supposed to be what you do. You know, and I think I don't think Mike I, I don't believe him to say this. I don't think Mike was mature enough to let go of him being the greatest player ever coming back to the Wizards and not being that. So when he was getting dealt with and served and practiced by, you know, you listen to the reports, multiple people handled Mike in practice when he was in that Wizards uniform. Um, They getting traded away or, you know, released or whatever the case may be. So when people see that now you're scared, you know, you know this my, this guy still has his power. Now you're scared to say anything to him, and you know it can't, it can't be like that. But yeah, you know, we, and people don't realize, man. Like, look, yeah, you in the big leagues now, and you know it's time to be a professional. But Kwame Brown, you know, I don't know his exact age, but I'm sure he's around our age. Um, Juan Dixon. All these guys, you got to remember, all these guys grew up watching Mike. So this is your idol. You come in this joint and you all smiles and, you know, and Mike is the ultimate trash talker, the ultimate person to get under your skin. And you come in to give Mike that. He like, man, don't touch me. You don't you don't deserve to give me no that. You ain't did nothing. So if you don't have thick skin, if you ain't used to that type of thing, call me Brown definitely wasn't. Definitely wasn't. That that broke his spirits. So just a little something to add. Because y'all both said something about MJ. Uh Junie. Yeah, I'm right here. Uh Carmen Brown right now is 38 years old, uh, BJ. Um First of all, but go back to Stevie franchise, Francis. Francis, uh, yeah, he had an attitude problem anyway from the start, y'all. So I do agree with y'all about that. Um, he had an attitude with different people he played with. He couldn't get along with people. I remember that. And uh, Delonte, that game with AI man and uh Juan Dixon, man, I remember that game like it was yesterday, man. Um, I loved it. You know, I was a big uh AI fan coming from the hometown, so. I watched that game, man. We cheered him on, cheered him on. And uh, it, it was nothing like it, man. Uh, I, I like the way AI, like you said, let him know, like, hey, this is the big league. This ain't the University of Maryland, or, you know. But um, I enjoyed their time while they was in the league. But, yeah, they had short careers, man, both of them. And I didn't even realize Juan Dixon went to, what, two or three teams? I think he played for the Raptors and somebody else. Portland Trailblazers, I think. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, he teamed back up with uh with Steve Blake Steve out in Blake. Portland. Right, 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 right. They, yeah, man, I, I enjoyed it. They tried to recreate uh the Portland Terpins out there. Yeah, they did. Hey, yeah. it, it, it's so crazy, man, because in college, and you know whether you like like them or not, Coach K is really good at that. Really good at putting people on the floor and 
taking what I just said about Bill Belichick not too long ago, taking full advantage of their strengths. Full advantage of their strengths. And, and um, Gary Williams did the same thing with his, his crew that won the, 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 the title. Full advantage of their strengths. But when you come to the pros, them weaknesses, boy, man, they stick out like a sore thumb. If you can't do something, <laughs> you, get, you get exposed quick when you get to the pros, especially on the on the hardwood. You get exposed quick. I don't even think I'll say just on the hardwood. Football, you know, you undersize or you're not a good pass rusher, but you you know you you for run defense or vice versa, or but you you're Bashar Perryman, you can run. Three nine forty, but you can't catch you. You're going to get exposed, and it, it's just crazy how that works, man. All right, fellas, we're gonna shift gears, and this is like something that we normally don't do during the week. This is normally Saturday night on the mothership with the WrestleManiacs, the Nubian Sumo. Uh, the people's choice, Don Rodriguez, and of course yours truly. And let's not forget the man of the hour, Delante, who comes through every week with an excellent push segment. But we can't wait till Saturday for this. 23 years ago, yesterday, one of the biggest uh, turning points in wrestling history happened. Uh <laughs> Don't 23 years later, we don't know if it was a work or a shoot. We don't know if it was planned or was it just off the cuff. But it was the Montreal screw job where Bret Hart was leaving to go to WCW. Uh, he was asked to drop the WWF, then WWF world title to Shawn Michaels. Uh, he was going to do it. Then he started saying things that just didn't feel right. Shawn Michaels puts him in the sharpshooter. He never taps out. Earl Hebner is told to ring the bell by one Vincent Kennedy McMahon as Bret Hart is reversing the sharpshooter as was planned. And then once Earl Hebner rings the bell, he jumps out of the ring, takes off, and everything else is history. Uh, gentlemen, 23 years later, this epic event, um, it, some people say it started the Attitude Era, but the Attitude Era had kind of had its formation uh, a year prior when uh, Stone Cold won King of the Ring and he had his feud with Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, that was pretty much the start of the Attitude Era, but this catapulted the Attitude Era higher, created the Mr. McMahon character. 23 years later, how do you guys feel about the Montreal? Uh, I guess I'm going to be up first. Um, The more and more. I, the, Delonte, you want to go? Yeah, i go first. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be brief. I, I think it, 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 it kind of set the stage for. Uh, well, you know, back then, a, a a lot of wrestling fans, you know, they were just excited to just see things transpire. But I think 
that incident set the stage for what we all know as the shoot. And, you know, in a wrestling, you know, in the wrestling world, shoot means, oh, it's real. You know, like that's that's not on the script. You know what I'm saying? So people in the, in the truck are like, uh, the hell's going on? So you can tell that was a shoot. The way how they, they kind of propped and set up at the end of the match and Vince pacing and, you know, he got a glob of spit on his forehead. That was a shoot. That was a shoot. So uh, it was definitely the beginning of exciting times um, in, in wrestling because, you know, face it, a lot of fans, they like to see, you know, shoots occur. Uh, of course, the, the powers that be, you know, they don't like it because, you know, it makes things uncontrollable. But, hey, nothing, nothing more better than to see an actual shoot. Well, the more and more that I see it, I see the story, I see the, the I forgot what it's called, but the, or the series on Vice, more and more I watch things and read things. I definitely think it was a planned event. And I say that because from, you know, I don't want, I don't know what you want to call KG. What's the golden area of wrestling? Is that the eighties, early nineties? So what's, what's that's the- a, that's the Hogan era. That's the, the, the eighties when Vince took over from uh, his dad and built it, he built everything up around Hogan until Hogan left and went to WCW. That's called the pretty much golden era. For okay. I'll say from ninety five back to eighty four. Okay, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought the years up. So what are we calling ninety five to two thousand? That's Let's the attitude era. Well ninety five to two thousand well, I'm not going to say we can't, we can't say the attitude error because that's that just includes WWF. I'm talking about both wrestling factions. What do we oh, call that error? That's well, from '95 to 2001. That's the Monday Night Wars. Monday Night Wars. You go back to I'm not even going to say 2000. I'm going to say '99. '95 to '99. Um, I, I, and I say it was planned because. Between those years, you had some of the best writing wrestling could buy. Some of the best storylines. It's like the stars aligned perfectly. You had the right characters in the right places, the right amount of egos, the right villains, the right heroes. Everything lined up from Hogan in the NWO taking over WCW and, and the Rock and Stone Cold, like, just shooting to the sky in WWF at the time. And then you had the Monday Night Wars going back and forth. During that time, you couldn't get enough wrestling. It was on Monday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday, Sunday. The networks are fighting to get this stuff. So the more and more I think about it, I, I really think it was a, just a very, very well-planned, probably one of the best executed shows that we've ever seen. Like, everything lined up for it. From the spitting on Vince McMahon, to Bret Hart decking McMahon, to confronting McMichaels, 
the referee taking off, and then guess what? The perfect situ- the perfect arena, the perfect place of all places for it to happen to who would happen to Bret Hart in Canada. It's like it can't get better than that. It can't get better than that. And I say that now because now, you know, I, I mean, you know, I talk about this with UKG. We talk about what the WrestleManiacs talk about Wednesday night, the ideas, you know, that you guys have. And wrestling, you know, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. I can't speak for anybody else. Wrestling from, you know, 95 to 99, when we talk about the Monday Night Wars and the storylines to now, it's a tremendous drop off. It's like the stock market crashed because I watch it now and it has a hard time holding my attention. Some of the storylines are just kind of like forced. Some of the people are forced. Um, I just think that Montreal screw job was a perfectly planned, perfectly executed show. And it just happened to line up with the Canadian hero, the hitman in his hometown, getting waxed. That's that's all I got to say. Junie? I'm uh, I'm gonna stay silent on this one. I'm listening to y'all on this one. <laughs> All right, that that that's cool. Uh, and and the show you're thinking about, um, on Vice is uh, Dark Side of the Ring, which is coming back for its third season. Um, absolutely, positively, a great show. Uh, that um. That particular episode where they talked about the Montreal screw job was very well put together. And to know that Bret Hart hit Vince McMahon so hard that he took him off his feet, say it lifted him off his feet. It didn't knock him down, it lifted him off his feet. So that right there, and then you know, you you come back uh nine years later, I believe it was about nine years, and you know, Bret Hart and Vince McMahon had reconciled and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels reconciled uh, a lot of things happen but I, I still have my doubts as if that's not you know that wasn't one of the greatest works I don't think that was a shoot I think that was one of the greatest works and we'll never know the intricacies because it's too many different stories um they say Bischoff was involved in it, even from when, while he was running WCW. But the whole thing was Vince was scared of Bret Hart pulling in a, a, a Medusa, a.k.a. Alundra Blaze, where she took the women's title over to WCW television and dropped it in the trash. He didn't want that to happen again. But everything that happened that night, 23 years ago, is set forth a lot of things good and a few things bad. And when I say a few things bad, uh, if Brett would have never left WWF at the time, Owen Hart would still be alive. Uh, 
that whole situation, everything that we as fans go through with Owen Hart and uh, wanting him inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, wanting the DVDs and everything to come out uh, that talk about his career and everything. We can't get that because of the relationship his wife has with WWE. That wouldn't have never happened if Bret Hart wouldn't have never left because he'd still be alive. So the good things that came out of it was the attitude error. Uh, and then the attitude error progressed into ruthless aggression. But unfortunately, like you said, B, right now we have, uh, we're still in the kind of sort of the PG era. They're kind of trying to push the envelope back to the attitude era, but it will never be that, that brand of wrestling that we had in that short amount of time, looking back on it, it'll never be that again. But this event, the Montreal Screwjob, has to be one of the greatest events ever in wrestling history. I'll say that. I sure wish we had the Don here tonight. I was trying to get him and Nubian Sumo, but that's a good segue. The reason why we couldn't get the People's Choice Don Rodriguez, because today... Uh, after everybody's been waiting, the Xbox Series X and Series S was released today. Um, gentlemen, we're all gamers. Uh, y'all running for the Xbox? Well, I think Don is already in line. Don, Don is the line. <laughs> he ain't in line. He is the line. Okay. He, he, yeah. He 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 got that taken care of. Um. Nah, I'm not an Xbox person. Um. I mean, I don't want to say I'm not an Xbox person. I'll play what I have. I, I've I've been PlayStation solid. I bought the the original Xbox back in the day. Um. And I had the ring of death, and I never went back after that. <laughs> you know, having to put the Xbox in the freezer and beat it, and just to get it to come on and work. So, um, no, I think I'll be waiting for the PS5, but I won't be making that purchase, and probably until um, probably springtime, summertime, and I'm gonna have to go visit the People's Choice to, to go do that, make that purchase. Well, I, I, I've I've been PlayStation. I've had a PlayStation One and Two. I got. A, I, matter of fact, my PlayStation One I don't have anymore. I'm, I had. I got to order a new one, but I still have my original PlayStation Two with the old expansion pack on the back to get on the internet. Um, I got a PS Three. I got a PS Four now, but I also have an Xbox Three Sixty, and I thought I was going to be Xbox until the cows came home but i cannot even i can't do it anymore because i looked at a ps4 and it it, that was it 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 took me away and then the games that i got on ps4 the division um I'm, i'm just in love with it but like b said i'm not purchasing it i always wait a year when a new console comes out so and speaking of the ps5 that comes out on the 12th which is two days from now um never i never buy a console first 
the first time it comes out. Because if you remember when Xbox 360 dropped, everybody was having problems with their 360 where they had the red ring of death and they were wondering, well, why is this happening? And, and everybody's was crashing. Same thing with the PS3. Everything was crashing. With the PS2s, they were overheating. Things like that. That's not something I'm trying to deal with off break with uh with, with with a console. So I'll wait until they work all the bugs out, and then I know okay, I can go get it. Well, fellas. Delonze we had- is Delonze still on here? Because he's yeah. an Xbox. Ain't you I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm an Xbox fan. Um, I just, I, I got my eyes open, but right now I, I have no interest in purchasing the uh, Xbox X or, or any of that. Um, not right now. Um, it, I'll probably wait a year until it is out, and you know, is, you know, kind of like then settled on a market. So now nah, that that type of stuff, I wait a year. Let, let them work the kinks out. That, that seemed like everybody's cup of tea. But you know what else makes a big difference to, like, especially if you had a certain console for a while, like, I'm in a Madden league. Everybody's on PS4. It's no crossplay. So, you know, if I go buy a four or $500 system, now I got to find a whole new set of people to play with. Like, KG got the PS4. You know, I got the PS4 Pro, you know, my other 32, 31 comrades in the Madden League has PS4s, you know. Um, so that, 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 you know, that's, it's, that makes a huge difference. Like, it's no game on Xbox that I'm like, I have to buy an Xbox to, to play that. Like, you know, both of them, I, you know, I haven't read the details, but I see each of them have really good features. You know, I have a Microsoft computer. So I know you can link everything up some type of way, you know, the media center and all this other good stuff. Um, they come preloaded with some stuff. I mean, they, these are, you know, next gen consoles, but it's just like now. Um, yeah, I, I definitely waiting for the, the second batch, you know, uh, and it's probably going to be the digital version of the of the PS5. You know, I'm not. I, I stopped buying this. Uh, you know, I have the, the division on this, and the only reason why I have Madden on the disc is because I got it from GameFly because I wasn't purchasing Madden. I'm gonna play a couple of seasons in the league, and I'm gonna put that thing in the GameFly envelope and send it back. EA Sports, you have got enough money out of me. It's funny you say that about uh, no games to play on. Uh on xbox only game that i'm rushing to play on xbox is gears of war and i i need to finish the uh the set i think i got uh four and five to do and i believe they're coming out with six but now they're starting to change it and they they want to make dave batista marcus phoenix uh and then he's also supposed to be marcus phoenix in the movies uh, I don't know if Batista got it to play Marcus Phoenix. That's a rugged character to play. But that's the only game that I would play on, on, on Xbox. That's I mean, that's just it because it's an Xbox exclusive. But, fellas, 
we are hitting the hour mark. Uh, any final thoughts before we roll out of here? Um, feel, feels good to be back on live. I mean, you know, it's always fun. The podcast is even better when we're live and, you know what I'm saying? Live, raw, unfiltered. Like, you know, we, we, we brand ourselves to be, man. I, hey, I enjoy it. I look forward to the next live session. So, Hey, I want to say, man, I like this, uh, this one we on there, uh, the stage we on there. I, I really like this one, and I um, hope this one take us a long way. Podbean. Uh, great show, man. Great show. Um, shout out to Podbean. Um, you know, looking forward to uh, more shows on this head platform. Um, shout out to you guys, my brothers. Uh, man, it was just a good show. We 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 touched on a lot of topics, you know, um, COVID to the Patriots to Bret Hart, like Juan Dixon, not the Real Housewives of Potomac Juan Dixon, basketball is <laughs> Juan Dixon. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we 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 touched on a lot tonight, man. So it definitely definitely feels good to be live and unfiltered, yes, like like my man BJ says. Yes, indeed, it does. Um, of course, even though it's live, this will be available for re-listen tomorrow morning, probably about 6 a.m., just because I like to release things for the morning drive. Um, but, gentlemen, this has been... Absolutely amazing. Uh uh, it's, it feels good to be back. So thank you to everyone that joined us tonight. Uh, maybe next time we go live, uh, we'll get a few call-ins. You know, just, hey, hear from the people. I wanted to hear from the people tonight, but nobody called in. We had four lines open. Uh, maybe I should have said that at the top of the hour, but it, it, it's it's a new toy. So we'll get used to it and get it going. But as for... The boss BJ, the man of the hour, Delante, the coolest brother in the room, Junie, and our junkies that are on special assignment, Allen, Jim, People's Choice, Don Rodriguez, Nubian Sumo. We are out of here. Peace. Peace out. <laughs>